They're cutting out. Can you repeat that? Go for production. Go for production. I said go for production. Production. That's right. You're listening to a podcast about TV and film production. Join us as we converse with industry leaders and gain insight into their strategies, their systems, and best practices in bringing a script to life. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Brendan Riley. Today we are talking with Nick Thomas, location manager extraordinaire. Nick has worked on shows such as Cook and Dagger, Fonzo, Bad Moms, Free State of Jones, I get that correct, and countless other indies. Nick has a degree in film studies degree from Wesleyan. Anything else we should know about you, Nick? Uh, There's plenty, but I'm sure we'll get into it along the way. I want to say thank you for getting my full title correct. People tend to leave off the extraordinaire part, but it's important to me. I mean, I think this goes back to the idea that location manager is often a thankless job, would you say, sometimes? Oh, I've never really thought about it that way. Yes. No, I think that's um, absolutely the case, and I don't, you know, I try not to lament that too much, but it's sort of uh, part of the nature of the job itself is we end up kind of taking care of the job description is such that you end up kind of taking care of and coordinating and handling a lot of the behind the scenes elements that uh, people don't think of when they think of film production and even people who work in film production don't necessarily think of. So yeah, for that reason alone, it ends up being somewhat thankless because it's just not, it's not the glitzy glamorous side of film production. It's sort of the um, nitty gritty stuff that needs to get taken care of in order for a film shoot to run smoothly. Yeah, I mean, if, if a scene is amazing in a show or a movie, nobody's coming up to you and saying, man, that scene looked amazing. Thanks for getting that location. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even within that, I mean, I think the locations side of it, just the location scouting, um, is is the sort of more glamorous side of it, but it makes up such a, you know, it makes up a percentage, but not the whole picture of what our job is. We find the locations. um, And then beyond that, it comes down to, you know, the signing the contracts and negotiating the deals and finding the parking and um, doing the permits with the city. So there's just so much that goes into it that, you know, doesn't show up on the screen. And I will occasionally get complimented on the actual locations in a film or TV show that I've worked on now. That's People are biased because they know they're talking to someone who worked on finding the locations. But that part actually does show up on the screen, and a lot of what we do um, does not. You know, during your day, you've got a lot to figure out, a lot to organize and manage. What is the typical day like of a location manager? Well, I guess I would say... Part of what makes that question difficult to answer is a lot of what I, excuse me, uh, what I actually really enjoy and appreciate appreciate about my job is just the fact that every day kind of looks different to me. I mean, I could wake up and, you know, wake up for 5 a.m. to be on set to help open set at 6 a.m., but on the next day I could be waking up and piling in a van with 12 other people um, to go scout locations, and the next day I could be waking up and, you know, 
getting in my car and driving around solo to scout locations or meet up with location owners to negotiate the contract and what have you. So um, they're really, and then, you know, the next day I'm sitting at a desk being in front of my computer, which is not the most exciting part of my job, but you know, what makes it and keeps it interesting is that there isn't really a normal day for someone who works in locations. It's kind of different day by day. You know, when you think about the rest of the film crew, a lot of them are there on set from start to finish. You know, they're, they're there at wrap. And, um, but your job's kind of fluid. You can kind of come in, leave, go see a movie. Just kidding. No, I could if I chose to. Um, and that's, yeah, I'm not tied to set every single hour of every single day. And not a day goes by that I don't thank a higher power that I don't necessarily believe in for that fact because um, I personally would go a little bit crazy having to be on set all the time. But, you know, it's <clears throat> it's one of the cool and special things about this industry is it's so collaborative and, you know, regardless of what job any given crew members doing and whether they're on set or whether they're out you know ahead of the film crew uh prepping a location or um in the office it's you kind of working in the industry at least speaking for myself uh every day I'm kind of reminded of how collaborative a process it is and how important that is and that's kind of one of the really special things about it for me thinking about your your job and your team um, talk to us about the descriptions of your team. Like, what is, what is an ALM? What is a location assistant? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll say that the job descriptions probably end up being somewhat fluid depending on, you know, depending on the location manager, depending on the project. Um, I try to start a project by kind of defining roles for various people within my department um, based on strengths and weaknesses. Um, but even within that, it ends up being a little bit fluid. Uh, an assistant location manager or ALM essentially is um, a person who, a kind of a, a manager who, let's see, the best way to explain it is while well, I'm kind of managing from the big picture perspective more often and dealing with the above the line um, personnel, the production manager and um, director and production designer on down. Uh, the assistant location manager <clears throat> is sort of managing on a location by location basis and handling more of the day-to-day -day elements of working in locations but even within that it's it stays fluid and that's just part of the job is you have to be ready to kind of improvise along the way and you know occasionally I'll be handling something on set while an assistant location manager of mine is um, you know driving around in the car with the production designer um, and talk about a location assistant what what is that job detail? The location assistant is spends more of his or her time on set 
with the filming crew and handles the on-set production stuff. Now, occasionally, you know, we'll still pull a location assistant offset to help us go uh, flyer a neighborhood, which essentially means um, communicating with and informing a neighborhood we're going to be filming in um, of our impending presence. Um, but essentially and generally a location assistant will spend more of his or her, t- her time on set and they'll, you know, be setting up the pop-up tents for the film crew and they'll be making sure that, um, you know, things are where they're supposed to be and trucks are parked safely on the film set and, um, they'll be there as a liaison between the, production and the surrounding neighborhood whether it's residential or commercial or whatnot you know the they're sort of a face locations from top to bottom including myself is uh acts as the face of the production to a large degree um when it comes to you know public relations um on set so when we get an angry neighbor they're coming to us first or even they don't if even if they don't come to us first whoever they go to is directing them to us. Um, So we essentially end up handling a lot of the interpersonal relations between, you know, the public and whatever neighborhood we're filming in. So going back to your your crew and your team, how do you decide how many, like, let's say location assistants to have or, um, or uh, is that based on the, the budget or the complexity of the day? No, I think it's, you know, it'll depend on the budget of the project and certainly, yes, on the complexity of, you know, any given location or project. Um, and there's generally some degree of, you know, at the beginning of a of a production, I'll work with the production manager to kind of determine what my departmental needs are for that project. What, um, you know, it's a location heavy project that we're moving every day or we have you know four or five locations every week uh, i'm gonna need you know more assistant location managers and location assistants for that kind of job if it's something where we spend you know three weeks in one location then it's, you know i can probably scale down my staff or something like that um f- from one project to the next i think i I'll end up with a department from anywhere from five to ten people on it, and um, it'll just depend on the project. So when you're talking about going back to your team, how do you go about, you know, choosing this person and and um, building that team? Are the people you've worked with before, they recommended from the production manager? Generally, I try to work with people that I've worked with before just because in this job, which is ever-changing and ever-evolving and ever-surprising, it's really helpful for me personally to have people who, you know, I'm comfortable working with and I know, you know, this is this person's strength and this perhaps isn't. So I I know how to kind of divvy up the duties and the tasks. but it's always, you know, I don't always have the luxury of just employing the same people on every given job. And that's, you know, it ends up being a blessing more than a curse because you, you know, add people to your 
to your Rolodex, so to speak, um, in terms of, you know, I'm, I, I have more people that I'm comfortable working with and comfortable calling up on the phone um, if I need someone to help out on set or scouting or flyering or uh, with office stuff. I have more people that I'm comfortable um, working with now than I did a year ago and um, certainly more than I did three or four years ago. And I really, I've been working in locations in New Orleans. I've been, I've been working in locations for about seven years and really just um, managing for the last two or three. So it's, it's certainly still something that I'm figuring out who I can, who I want to work with and what each individual person, what their strengths are. You know, what you're saying earlier about people you've worked with before, I always tell people that people want to work with people they know, you know, and it's a very simple idea. And that when you're first starting out, it's really difficult because you don't know anybody. So it's how do you get to know those few people? Got to be creative sometimes. Yeah, you do. And I think, um, you know, the, there's the benefit for me, not me personally, but working in film production in New Orleans. Um, it's a fairly close-knit community. So, for instance, right now I'm starting up on a new project. I'm looking for someone to scout locations. And uh, I, uh, you know, was just texting around and calling around to friends slash coworkers today, um, asking just for suggestions. Hey, do you know who might be available right now and um, be a good scout for this particular job? And that's the thing too. I'm scouting for a particular thing on this project and certain people are going to be better at scouting for that than they would like, for instance, some one scouts can be better at scouting for a farmhouse in, you know, some rural area of Louisiana. Um, and another person's going to be better at scouting for, you know, a, a modern office in downtown New Orleans. Um, not that I wouldn't employ the same person for both of those things, but it is interesting to kind of along the way see, um, different people's strengths and different people's weaknesses. Um, as far as networking and everything, yeah, I guess what I was starting to say before I got sidetracked is um, I've never considered myself as someone who, for whom networking is a strong point, and it's something that at various points along my career I've kind of tried to get better at and feel more natural doing. Um, I don't think I've ever fully succeeded at that, um, but I also appreciate the fact that I work in the film industry in New Orleans. It's not a huge city. It's not Los Angeles. And, you know, I know a lot of the people who work in the film industry. And if there's someone who I should be working with that I don't know personally, chances are, you know, by this same time next year, another guy or gal I work with will have put me in touch with that person and I'll have gotten the opportunity to work with them. So, um, it is a, close-knit community and that's a pretty cool thing um people know each other and um help each other out along the way so going back to scouting for locations you're talking about trying to find certain locations you know that to me is probably one of the most creative parts of your job am i correct that's right. so if you think about this idea of you're, you're reading a script and you you read the the line this this house is about to be burned down 
you know, in the movie or um, there's a really cool alleyway and, and, and um, a drug deal goes down. Your, your mind starts thinking about possible locations. How do you go about finding the perfect location for that scene? Sure. Well, I'll go back a second and just um, correct one thing you said. Scouting for locations is the creative aspect of my job. It's not the most creative. It's the only one because after that I'm figuring out where to put the shitter and I'm figuring out how many security guards we need on a day-to-day basis. So um, it is, you know, I appreciate that side of my job very much. And it's it's the most fun part. I, I have a lot of fun um, day by day doing whatever I'm doing, whatever phase of production we're in. But scouting is fun. It's still high pressure and it's still stressful. But, you know, you're driving around looking for locations, oftentimes a needle in the haystack. And that can be pretty exciting and fun and feel, you know, legitimately feel like an adventure, which is, you know, something that not everybody gets to say in their job is that, you know, come home from work at the end of the day and feel like you went on an actual adventure that day. As far as I guess you asked my methodology for scouting locations. Yes. What What is your process or do you even have one or do you just, is every location a new adventure of, okay, I'm going to go find this location. Right. Yeah, it does. It depends on the location and, you know, certainly um, I'll read a script and there'll be a party in a big ballroom. And for something like that, while it's not, you know, it's still fun to scout that stuff. There's 20, 25, 30 locations in the city of New Orleans, which I immediately know uh, this scene is probably going to end up at one of these few locations. And most of those I have photos of um, that I can, do, you know, just call up the contact over there and check on availability um so those are the more kind of not cookie cutter but those are the ones that come up over and over again certain houses you know you you read in a script you know the hero house um matches a certain description and you're like oh this is one of these 10 15 houses that we've filmed at a bunch of times before i'm not trying to make my my job sound any less exciting or glamorous than it is but that's just the reality there's you know locations that have gotten used before and will get used again and i'm not shy in reading a script uh, about saying yep this is probably going to end up being in one of these places um now outside of that what's a lot more fun and fulfilling for me is finding a location that maybe hasn't been scouted before and certainly and hasn't been filmed before and uh as far as methodology sure it changes based on the location but you kind of start off you're looking for a house um that's not specifically a southern style house so okay i know i'm looking you know in these few neighborhoods um and not in these other neighborhoods because if i go over here it's basically it's mainly going to be southern style houses that you know whether the project tv show or movie whether it takes place in new orleans or whether it's new orleans four somewhere else that will largely define where i'm going to go to scout for these things because you know certain neighborhoods look like anywhere usa or middle america um whereas you know 
certain areas, certain stretches of road look very quintessential New Orleans. Um, Google Earth is my best friend. I'm on Google Earth all the time, scrolling around, looking, you know, at the footprints of houses. I need a house that's, you know, kind of wooded and feels a little bit more secluded. Uh, I'm looking for that on Google Earth. Uh, looking for a house with a pool, that's, you can find that on Google Earth. Uh, outside of that, you know, on this last project I just did, um, just wrapped up, one of our main filming locations was the main character's family's home and found that house literally by driving up and down streets in New Orleans, ended up at a house on Esplanade Avenue, one of the, you know, more prominent or just uh, iconic avenues in New Orleans, and but ended up at a house that, you know, the homeowners, that house had never been filmed before. Uh, the homeowners had never had filming before. I just kind of drove by and liked the look of the, excuse me, liked the look of the house from the outside and knocked on the door and, you know, talked about it with the owners and they were open to it. They were cautious but open to it. Whether they would ever do it again, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, so it, it really depends. Every location and every script is kind of different in terms of how I go about finding it, but certainly those are the ones that, at the end of the day, are the most fulfilling for me is is to have gone out and found a location that nobody's photographed before and nobody's scouted and put that in front of a production designer, put that in front of a director and have that be the you know chosen location in the end. That's That's really fun. So there's this percentage of locations that are like a file pool, you'll, you'll say, that you have in your back pocket. And then do you ever use services, you know, like a website that has a database of locations or Craigslist or? Yeah, I, I don't use those resources often enough probably. Um, I would make my job easier if I use them a little bit more often. Um, you know, occasionally I will, you know, I'll scan Airbnb and VRBOs when I'm scouting for houses. Um, you tend to find places that feel a little bit, I don't know if um, fake is not the right word, but they just don't feel as kind of uh, lived in which can be okay depending on what you're scouting for. Um, and then, you know, the film office of New Orleans, they have some resources online, which, I, I again, I don't use that often, but I will reach out to um, our folks over at the film office and kind of pick their brains from time to time if I'm in a jam and I'm looking for something, especially if it's something a little bit more Let's say it's, you know, an office from the 1970s or something, and I'll have my stable of locations, but I'll have, you know, kind of struck out on all of those. I'll, I'll reach out to the film office, and they might have something in their back pocket that, you know, they've got photos of or at least have a contact for and send me in the right direction. I probably, you know, I should do that more often than I do, though. When we're thinking about this idea of, um, going about finding these locations, 
you know, who, who do you typically interact with um, in the scouting part and then in the physical part when it comes to your job, whether it's a production manager or a production designer? Um, do you collaborate with them? Do you, I mean, are you trying to figure out how many tents with them, how many parking spaces, or, or are they trusting you with that? Or Sure. So, again, while it does, you know depend on the project to some degree there is kind of a standard process that one goes through that tends to stay the same from project to project i would say i am out there scouting on my own or with another location scout or what have you but the location department is out there scouting first getting photos of you know as many different viable options uh for a location as we can and putting them in front of the usually production usually production designer first and the production designer will give his or her input on those photos and then generally the production designer will want to go see locations in person prior to the director to kind of vet them um, so let's say we scout 20 gas stations and show photos of 20 gas stations the production designer might narrow it down to six and we'll get in the car with the production designer and drive around to those six gas stations and out of those six the production designer might select one that he or she thinks is you know the most viable option might select a handful um, and then generally from there where uh, the next phase would be director scouting and when you're director scouting Basically, let's say I had just done, you know, gone through that process, scouting gas stations, scouting offices, scouting schools, and scouting fields. And then we would schedule a director scout um, to get in a van with the production designer, production manager, possibly, um, director, sometimes the DP, director of photography. Um, and in a van, we'll all go to the top three or four choices for all those locations. Now those will all be locations that the production designer has kind of signed off on first. From there, we select the top locations and uh, once we've selected the top locations for each thing, for each piece, then I try to get those locations under contract. Has there been a location that's been really difficult to secure or get approval from a production designer or director that they just kept coming back Sure. this doesn't work yeah yeah absolutely um and that'll come down to the location itself um and what the script calls for and it'll certainly as with anything come down to the actual personalities you're dealing with the specific production designer or director but yeah i i did this movie kidnap sally berry thriller vehicle um car chase movie and there's sort of this climactic scene that they end up at it's this creepy house in the middle of the woods it's supposed to have this pool and it's supposed to have this barn that's also accessible and you know they wanted a pretty specific look for it because it's the climactic scene of the film and uh not just myself, myself and, you know, a couple other people in our department, we scouted for that location 
you know, from the beginning of the film, probably for, you know, a month or two, um, scouring the greater New Orleans area. And what's funny about this one is, uh, I kind of, I think I found the perfect location for that film. And as I was finding the perfect location for that, um, scene, they had, already resigned themselves to filming it at a different location that didn't have one of the, didn't have two of the three elements, didn't have the pool or the barn, but they decided to build the barn and build the pool on this other on this other property. And so here I come in all excited after months of searching with these photos of this perfect house. And they're like, ah, you know, we, we're going to do it over here. We're just going to build this stuff. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> which is, wasn't the most, you know, um, we're gonna throw money at it yeah exactly which ends up being the answer a lot of the time and that's okay too so speaking of money you you get tasked with creating budgets and and trying to figure out how much your department should spend um, you know when you are approached for a project you might have a line producer might say hey we have this much money for locations what is your typical response to that in terms of has there been a breakdown for that specifically or do you how do you go about figuring out the budget for these different films get the fuck out of here that's what i say when they show me what they think <laughs> we can do it for um no i don't i mean there's generally it's it's a back and forth. It's it's weirdly like a negotiation, um, which is maybe not the perfect description of it, but it's pretty close. It's you know whether they whether the UPM puts a budget in front of me first or a number in front of me, or I give them my first pass at the budget. There's pretty much always in my experience some back and forth in terms of I put something in front of them that's you know. Six hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they say get it down to four hundred thousand, and we end up somewhere closer to like five hundred or five fifty, depending on the mood they're in, um, how generous they're feeling, and then at the end of the day, you know, I hopefully I've kept close to, you know, whatever that final number is, but you know, it it just depends on the project, depends on the production manager you're dealing with, and you know, you try to. You hope to be working with somebody who, you know, is going to have a, have a reasonable vision of what, you know, certain things can be done for. And I'm pretty good at, you know, I actually, I take a certain amount of pride in, you know, not being cheap, but, you know, being fiscally responsible. So I think generally, as long as the, the UPM I'm working with or line producer, as long as they, uh, if they're reasonable then we can find a number that we're going to be able to get pretty close on. Um, so far, I haven't had, you know, a ton of trouble in that area in terms of, like, working with somebody who wants me to get something done for half the amount I think it's going to take, and then we, we don't find a place where we can, you know, move forward. And I'm sure it'll happen at some point. But and Do you find that after you've done a certain number of projects that creating these budgets becomes easier because you're able to just pull from previous estimates and quotes from vendors and and then you, you kind of get an idea of how much a house should cost in that neighborhood. 
or a school or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's always, you know, there's always some variance. There's always some degree of guesswork. Um, but yeah, that's actually been one of the last three years as I've been managing more projects. It's It's been kind of a fun thing to get to a point where some of the elements in the budget, some of the budget lines feel kind of like puzzle pieces that you can say, oh, I kind of know where this fits and how it fits and how much it's going to be and start plugging numbers in rather than kind of just calculating in my mind as we go. Um, but yeah, there's always, there's always some variability and, um, you know, you try to give yourself a little bit of leeway in the numbers you put in there without, you know, grossly overdoing it. But it does, it certainly, yeah, it gets, it gets easier over time. When you, when it comes to your job, what are there, are there any tools or, you know, apps for your phone, any special equipment you have that make your job easier? I've got a camera and a phone and a computer, and that's pretty much the equipment that I use in a car. Couldn't do it without a car. Um, I'd like to be someone that bikes to work, but it's not feasible for me. Um, yeah, no, there isn't. There's not a lot. I mean, I use an app called or a program called SmugMug to load photos. Um, certainly to load and share photos. Certainly um, Dropbox and Google Drive are my friend because I, my friends because I store a ton of stuff just in photos and contracts and everything. Um, so you're uploading your photos to Smug Mug and then what do you do with them once they're there? Do you send them out to part of the team? Yeah, usually, again, usually production designer first. Um, but depending on the project, sometimes you share them with everybody and that's like production designer director dp have you ever done any virtual reality 360 photos to show like the room and the light no but i should get into that i think i would be ahead of the curb um you could be yeah it could be your next thing there's an opportunity there for sure um now i take some pans once in a while but they're annoying and time consuming because i have to stitch them together afterwards and you know occasionally i'll throw a video in there just to you know surprise people and keep them on their toes i actually did the 360 on a couple of films but the problem i ran into was there were hardly any sites you could upload that people could view them so uh -huh. so fa basically i had to create like a facebook group because because you can view 360 photos on facebook um but it was the only reason we did it was because some of the crew wasn't gonna be able to scout, come on the tech scout. So we sure. wanted the gaffer to be able to see the light and everything. If I hired you and you like sent me a Facebook link as part of your scouting, I would probably fire you right then and there. <laughs> but I'm not on Facebook, so that's I'm biased. Um, thinking about all things location. As I always do. As you always do. What is the hardest part of your job or um, what what do you dread about what you have to do? That's a great question, especially, I don't know if it's especially, but for me, and I can only speak for myself, because actually there's, dread might seem like a dramatic word for me to use, but there's a lot of 
anxiety and a lot of um, stress that comes with my job. And um, that's kind of one of the, the biggest, I don't know. It's one of the biggest kind of drawbacks I see is that, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a high pressure industry um, that moves pretty fast and it's pretty unpredictable. And, um, you know, if it's a job that you care about and you put a lot of yourself into it, then I think almost inevitably it brings with it a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, not necessarily sleepless nights, but nights where you get, you know, three or four hours and then your eyes shoot wide open and your brain is just moving because it's trying to, you know, get ahead of all the things you have to get done that day. Um, it's my stress level is, is something I'm constantly trying to <clears throat> work on and manage um, throughout my career. I think that'll be kind of a career long or lifelong battle for me. Like like trying to find balance and yeah. and have you found any solutions to this struggle that you deserve, observe? Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think that. Um, Probably a solution is not something that I would describe as having found, but I've found, you know, ways to kind of manage it and maintain. Um, I haven't been meditating recently, but there was a brief period. There was about a year there where I, where I tried to meditate like a few times a week, and I found that helpful. I don't know why I got out of habit. It's just something like once you're in the habit of it, it's a lot easier to do. And then I think it's, um, I, I, I'm in and out of therapy going to see a shrink and recently I've been feeling pretty good. Um, and so I haven't been as much and that's, you know, that's not only specifically for, you know, work stuff. That's, that's life in general, but certainly a lot of what we end up talking about is, is work stuff and just that, you know, element of, you know, trying to, do a great job and care about my job, but not not let it get to the point where it's all consuming. And that's the other thing about this industry is it's, you know, it's always long days and it's always very involved and people ask a lot of you. And to a certain degree that keeps it, you know, exciting and keeps it in interesting, but um, there's a tendency for it to become kind of all consuming. You know, people do 14 hour days one after the other and you know, part of me wonders how sustainable that is, and just um, part of me knows that it's not particularly healthy. So, um, it's an interesting thing. I, I love a lot of elements of my job, but I also kind of look at you know the way the industry kind of consumes its labor, and wonder. I wonder, you know, how how long will I be doing this? Yeah, I think going back to the meditation thing, that's something that I've also been trying to do. But it, I think it's always hard when your schedule's so much in flux because yes. to create a routine like that, you know, because in our world, you might, like you said, get up at 6 a.m. one morning and the next day at noon. And, that's right. you know, or, you know, you might have all nights one week. So it's trying to create this rhythm that's, when you're elusive yeah <laughs> yeah it's very elusive no i totally agree that's well said and um that's true for you know i brought up going to see therapy and i think i'm i'm not going regularly right now 
partly because I feel pretty good, but it's also partly because of that. It's just hard to have like a weekly or bi-weekly session when, you know, you kind of don't know what your schedule is going to be even day by day. And part of that, you know, I think that to some degree you do have to, I talk about this with coworkers a lot, is you kind of have to take some of your life um, to be your own, uh, regardless of what you're doing for a job. Work-life balance, people talk about that. And, you know, to some degree you have to be able to say, you know what, this is just something I need to have whatever it is, whether it's meditation or therapy or working out, you have to have enough power over your life to be able to say, I need to fit this in however many times, like a couple times a week or, you know, around this time once every week. And, you know, I think that's important just for a person's health and well-being and I, I say that, you know, as kind of a hypocrite because I don't necessarily do a great job of it, but I try to. I try to preach that, for lack of a better word. You know, looking ahead to your future, to things coming up, um, if there was a dream scenario, what would that perfect film or show look like t- for you? Is it is it about the complexity of the show? Is it about the size of the show? or What, what, what do you... What would attract you to a project? Sure. Um, I mean, I can't, I don't know that I can describe a specific dream scenario, but definitely some of the keywords you just threw out there help kind of spark something like I do. There's, you know, there's really inspired projects that are $200 million, and there's really terrible movies made for a million and a half, you know, but I do tend to think that some limitation breeds creativity and to some degree, you know, a larger budget breeds studios making something that they think is easily consumed by consumers. And, you know, that tends to be a little bit more brainless. Uh, I like operating in that kind of lower budget world, even if it makes my day-to-day life um, from a work perspective a little bit more challenging because it does, you know, you have less money to work with. So um, you got to get creative to solve all the little puzzles and problems that come your way. But I I do enjoy kind of a smaller budget film. I, you know, my personal tastes end up taking me more in the sort of indie realm and that sort of I I want to work on a project that interests me um I don't always get to but that is I would I would call that a goal um is to be able to work on more projects that you know I find actually to be pretty creative and interesting and original very cool um, how do people get in touch with you? Let's say they are shooting a movie and they don't have any locations and they need a location manager. What do they do? Uh, my phone number is... <laughs> well, you have a website, right? Yeah, I do have a website. Um, you can link people to it. Um, no, I mean, it It does depend, but I think 
Um, for my position, I end up getting a call from the line producer or UPM, and they'll find me because they've A, worked with me before, or B, they've worked with this other location manager who they call first. That location manager is busy. That location manager says, you might try Nick Thomas. Um, so that's usually you know, the chain that it goes through is that a line producer starts staffing up and one of the first positions, if not the first, they'll um, put on staff as a location manager and location scout. Um, so usually that's where it's coming from. But for our audience right now, sure. what, what's the website? How do they, how oh, do okay. they contact you? The website is nickthomas.co. And, and you're not on Facebook, is that correct? I'm not on Facebook. But you're on like LinkedIn, right? Maybe? I do have a LinkedIn account. Look for Nick Thomas. I don't know what the actual link is. I think is I just for. found you on there. So you, you have updated your LinkedIn profile. It's good to know I'm easy to find. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on IMDb. For some reason on IMDb, they they do a really shitty job. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like you know slander IMDb, but the like... There's a little section, they have your name, and they say known for, and they list four projects. But you can edit those. I Can I? I don't think I can. I think you have well, to be an IMDb pro to edit It's them. easier if you are a pro. I think if you don't have that pro to edit it, maybe you do. I don't know. But pro is like 20 bucks a month. You can afford it. I'm not paying 20 bucks a month for something just so I can like... Just so I can say I want to be known for these four projects rather no, than No, but that allows you to, to put your, your, your headshot on the website and people can see what you look like that's fun but i don't think it's worth 20 bucks a month is it really 20 bucks a month yes but you have a discount if you're like in a, in, a, in a guild or nobody should pay union. 20 dollars a month to be i know i mdb pro so hey i'm really slandering them i don't mean to do this <laughs> it wasn't my intention going in but so um really enjoyed talking with talking with you today nick uh, right, hearing course. all the nuggets of wisdom um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please visit us on iTunes, leave a comment, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you'd like to stay up to date with what we're doing, you can visit the blog at assistantdirecting.com and sign up for our monthly e-newsletter where we will notify you of the new episodes and highlight interesting technology and software in the film industry.